My name is Jacob Sundin, um, and I get the privilege to open us up in God's Word this morning. So we are in uh, Revelations 3, um, verse 7 through 13. This is the message to the church in Philadelphia. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have, have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you, because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of the heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Good morning. Thank you, Jacob. Appreciate it, man. Uh, I like the, like the voice. Enjoyed, enjoyed hearing that this morning. Can we all just agree that we're excited that we don't have to move our clocks again anymore? I mean, I was just like, gosh. Well, no, this is it. That's what I heard, yeah. I always said if a president would ever just run on that one thing that he would change daylight savings time, he can guarantee election, you know? It's, it's like, you know, it's like, man, why didn't anybody pick up on that sooner than now? But um, uh, I know, I don't know about you this morning, but even though I tried to get enough sleep and all, it seems like I still dragged a little bit this morning. How about you? I'm looking out here, I'm pretty sure that's the case. I'm sure y'all are online, welcome. Glad to have you this morning. If you forgot to spring your uh, clock forward, but. We're here, we're gonna open up God's word this morning, and we're gonna begin looking at the Church of Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love, and uh, what, a, what a message it is. It's kind of unique compared to like Sardis and that, that there's no condemnation to this church. Uh, this church was a church that persevered. It was a church that was just hung on and held fast to the word of God. It was a church that kept the word and did not deny the name of Jesus a church that persevered in the faith and they never, never gave up. They just didn't do it, they persevered. Uh, and God promised that they would not be disappointed. Um, I thought of thinking about this as I was preparing this week that probably some of you this morning that are, that are here today, you may even be feeling like you're kind of like at the end of your rope. You know, we get those days, right? We go through those times uh, where we're facing a difficult situation and it started creating disappointment in our lives, our sadness, or pain, or frustration, and you start growing more and more uh, in doubt, uncertain. Our faith begins to, to quiver and we begin to doubt whether God is involved or whether God is really meaning good towards me. We start wondering those kinds of questions. Well, for you, my dear brother or sister in Christ, today's message is for you. 
This is a message that Jesus has some very specific things to say to us today. Why? Because he's coming again. He's coming. And he will reveal to you in that day a life that you could never imagine. New names. The joy of his presence in all of eternity. That is what Jesus is telling this church is they persevered as they endured. He's reminding them of who he is, of his presence and not to give up. And those that look to him, those that hold on to him, those who do not give up, those who love him, there is hope. There is hope. And that's our text today. It's simple as that. I just gave it to you in about three minutes, huh? <laughs> but we're going to look at it a little bit deeper. So let's pray. Father, just speak to us, your people today. Father, I always find it very difficult to open your text and not to request from you, Father, the, the work of your spirit. That, Father, your spirit would go past all of the shortcomings, all of the iniquities of the speaker, and you would speak to us, your people. That, Father, your spirit would come along, and even to those this morning who, Father, find it difficult to persevere, that today they would be encouraged, they would be reminded of some things that they need in their lives in order to be able to endure through these days when darkness seems to rule, but yet, Father, we know that Jesus is coming. We know that, Father, we must have an eternal perspective, and we pray, God, today that you would just open our eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. So in the church of Philip, Philadelphia, there in verse 7, it was a church about 38 miles southeast of Sardis along the Hermas Valley, River Valley. Uh, it was very rich in agriculture, just a little bit of, about it. Grapes and wines was really important. It was also a, a city that faced a lot of earthquakes. In fact, the most recent at the time before the writing of this was 17 AD. And a lot of times the, destruct, the destruction of the buildings, you would just have pillars that are, that are left remaining, which is going to be really important to remember later, later as we looked at it. One of the purposes of uh, Philadelphia, the, the city of brotherly love, is where it was positioned. Uh, it, had a, it had a massive highway system that connected a lot of different highways. And when we think of highways, we're thinking of cars, roadways, in which they traveled. And it was very intentional because what the Greeks did is they used this city to reach out into the areas beyond going into Asia. And they, the purpose was to, to communicate the, the Greek language, the Greek culture. In fact, even as I was reading, some communities got to the place where they really forgot their heart language, that the whole Greek culture just kind of overtook. And that was kind of the intent of this city, which was a it was deliberate in that region in order to advance the Greek culture, which is really kind of important when we begin to look at this, this letter, this letter whereby Jesus has no condemnation for this church, but he talks about opportunities he gives to this church. And it's something to understand that even in their understanding as a local city and their purpose from a secular standpoint of advancing a culture, hey, we too as the church are to advance the message, Right? The message of reconciliation, the gospel, the good news of salvation that comes through the death and the burial and the resurrection of our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. So it becomes very important when we look at the text. And when we're looking at this text today, I think there's five reasons, and I'll probably have to move through them pretty quick. 
five reasons why we should never give up or why we should persevere. And the first one is Jesus is the way. Jesus is the way. Look at it in verse seven. He says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write the words of the Holy One, the true one who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut and who shuts and no one opens. Isn't that amazing? It talks about here right off the bat that Jesus uh, uh, is the true one, the holy one. Our confidence is in the person of Jesus Christ. I love the way that Ashley prayed, if you didn't catch it. It's not important just to be in church, right? We can all be in church, right? It's to be in Christ. Because when we're in Christ, that's where our redemption comes from. It's in him who makes us who we are. It's in Christ that we become in the righteousness of his holiness, that we stand before a righteous and holy God and he declares us righteous and he calls us his own and we're in a right relationship with him. It's because of him. We stand in confidence because of what Christ has done. And it's the same thing here is when we read this, the words of the Holy One, totally set apart, absolute holiness. I, I was going to ask you this morning before I forgot, but when, I was in the, when my parents had jury business, we used to take a diamond, right? And I can remember this guy walked in one day and he, he had it in like a little tissue. Like you never put anything in tissues. Why? Because you throw tissues away, right? But he did. He had it in a tissue and he rolled it out and he said, that's a perfect diamond or a flawless diamond. And I remember the dad looking at it and I remember trying to, as much as I would, I wasn't very old at the time, so they wouldn't let me really hold it, but I was looking at it. And the reality is about a diamond, did you know there's no such thing as really a flawless diamond? That's what I was gonna ask you about. Because they cut it so that the light reflects and the color comes out so you don't see the flaws within the diamond. And the reality, I always like that picture because when I started thinking about who God is, when we talk about Jesus, the Holy One, that when you look into the depths of him, there isn't just cuts that kind of reflect so that you don't see this, this flaw inside of Christ. To the very core of his being, who he is, he is holy. He is the holy one. He is the righteous one. And today we stand in righteousness, not because of what we've accomplished, because of what he has accomplished. And he's true. He's true. In other words, what he says happens. What he says is truth. And regardless of what anybody else says, he remains true. In order to accomplish in our culture to change truth, we have to change Jesus. Think about that. But Jesus is true. And what he has said is true. Everything that is happening, that happens, that he says will happen, will happen. He is the one who is true and right. And he's an absolute truth. Jesus right here, when he's speaking, he's speaking to them as the words of the holy and true one who has the key of David and the one who opens and no one shuts and who shuts and no one opens. What are you saying right here? That Jesus is the way. He's the way. He's, he's the passage. He's the only way through. He is saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's declaring to us that there's no other path. That's the idea there when he says, key of David. If we went back to Isaiah 22, verse 22, it's referring to Elohim, who had the key of the king, from the king the, and had resources where he can get into the resources. He can open way and make passage into the kingdom. 
And so now here as the line of David, here is the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who has the key of David, and he's the one that opens the way into the eternal kingdom. He's the one that gives eternal life. And nobody shuts that. And nobody else opens it but him. In Revelation chapter one, verse 18, in the description of Christ, it says there, I have the keys of death and Hades. So why do we persevere in Christ? Because Jesus is the only one who can give way. He is the only one who can give passage into eternal life. He conquered sin and death. He is coming again. And every door that he opens will stay open. And every door that he shuts will stay shut. It is him that we rest in. Never give up. You may be facing... You may be facing all kinds of things that you came in today, you know? Maybe you're doubting because of different things that are going on in your life. Maybe life has started getting tough. And what I'm telling you this morning is that because Jesus is the way, persevere. Don't lose sight. Don't lose sight. He's coming. He's coming again. In verse eight, he goes on, he says, I know your works. He says that every single time. There's nothing hidden from the eyes of Christ. There's nothing hidden from his knowledge of what's going on in your life. He knows all of these things. He knows your works. And he says, behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. Now I wanna stop there for a second because there's a couple of possible interpretations of this idea of an open door. The first is that he's just continuing this idea here uh, that he just explained to you in the previous verse. It's an open door to the kingdom of heaven and then he's made that a way available. That is one possible translation or interpretation. But I think the idea of it here is the idea of open door is the idea of kind of an mission opportunity or evangelistic opportunity. The reason I think that is that throughout scripture, every time you see there's an open door, it is used in that context. It's used in that idea. And then when you stop to think about Philadelphia, where they were situated as a city and the intent of the Greek culture to kind of kind of permeate its culture out into the other areas, it's a beautiful picture of also the advancement of the gospel. And the picture is that he's saying here, I've set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. The word, the idea of set before is the idea to set or place or to put before them. And the idea of before is the idea to grant or to entrust. In other words, it's this idea of entrusting these opportunities to the church, that Jesus is giving the church of Philadelphia an opportunity for the gospel. I think Jesus gives us opportunities for the gospel. Dear people of God, let me say some things here for just a second. I know that, I know that we live in a world that probably doesn't want to hear about Jesus a whole lot anymore. I know we live in a world that sometimes we're mocked and we're ridiculed for what we believe, especially when we start talking about absolute truth like the scriptures, that Jesus is the only way. When we talk about being intolerant to other other faiths because there's only one to believe and there's only one by which to salvation to be, to be given. And so we have a tendency to begin to think, well, people don't want to hear about Jesus. Or we begin to think that, that I don't want to share the gospel. It's just not who I am. Or I start thinking about, I'm just afraid or I'm nervous or I'm, I'm discouraged. And so we begin to start thinking about, well, man, people don't want to hear. We don't want to share. And all I'm saying here 
this morning is that Jesus gives opportunities. He gave this church in Philadelphia opportunity. And I believe he gives us opportunities. So many times I've learned in, in you know, I, I'm a little bit more bold. I love the opportunity to, to discourse over the gospel, even with people who, who kind of get a little frustrated over the process. I, I just figure, hey, you, you throw it out there and you let God deal with it and it's his word, right? Because we're not sharing, understand this, we're not sharing our life, we're sharing the good news of salvation, the gospel. The gospel transforms lives. And God gives us opportunity to share that. And so I always, I always think how many times have we missed an opportunity that God gives us? And it's the idea that sometimes we start thinking of all these reasons why we can't. And the reality is what we're focused on is all the reasons why we can't. We're focused on ourselves, not on Christ. Christ is not taken back by our world. Do you know that? He's not thrown off by the, the philosophies of our day and the culture of our day. He doesn't take a back seat to the truth. He stands firm in the message of the good news of salvation and the gospel. And for, what, for the reason that he has chosen in and of himself, he has chosen to use us. Isn't that amazing? That he would allow us to be a part. The key is, do we take advantage of it? And I, and I often think that so many times the reason we don't evangelize, the reason we don't share the good news is because we just don't pray about it. We don't pray for opportunities. We don't pray for God to open a door. We don't pray, we pray, man, we're sick, we're gonna start praying like crazy, right? We, we, we have financial problems, we start praying like crazy. We, get, we start praying that God will open his word. We, we pray about so many other things, but how often do we really pray about these opportunities that God sets before us that sometimes we miss? In 1 Corinthians 16, verse nine, it's in the place where Paul is talking, he says, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. Here's this idea of an open door has been opened to me. And then he says, and there are many adversaries. Don't be cut off guard by opposition to the opportunity that God has placed before you. Don't grow weary in that, dear people. All right, this is just me a little pet peeve here for a second, all right? Do you believe that the gospel is an eternal message? Yes. Everybody's shaking your heads, but do you believe that? Do you believe that the gospel can literally take somebody from spiritual death to spiritual life? Do you think that the gospel will radically change a person's life? I don't mean like all of a sudden now they got boats and houses. I mean radically change their lives, that they would begin to understand the reality of what peace is with your almighty God, what comfort is with your almighty God, what the joy of the Lord means. Do you believe that it can radically change that? Then why don't we share it? I heard an atheist talking not too long ago how he does not understand why believers, Christians, don't proselytize the God. And I probably just said that wrong, but nevertheless, they don't share the gospel. He said, do they believe the gospel? Why don't they share it? Okay, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm a little on my pet peeve right now, so just hang in there a little bit longer. All right? So they're, 
So they, he says, I don't understand why they don't share it. He said, if you saw a kid walk out into the street and his truck was coming, would you just stand there? This is an atheist. Would you just stand there? Or would you run out and grab the kid and pull him out if you truly believed that truck was gonna run him over? Do you truly believe that the gospel can take someone out of the clutches of sin and death and set them free and raise them up to life? Do you believe that? I'm not talking about your great ability to communicate. I'm not talking about your great boldness. I'm not talking about your ability to share a great testimony. I am talking about the power of the gospel. Do you believe it can grab somebody from the clutches of sin and death and give it life? Yes. And why would we ever hold it? God gives us opportunities. Pray, just pray about it. I'm not asking you to be somebody you're not. I'm asking you to pray about God using you where you are with exactly how he has gifted you and made you. He can use you in a powerful way if you trust him and you just, just ask him. I, I challenge you, I dare you, just ask him. You might be surprised. If I have many pet peeves today, we're not gonna get finished. So let's move on to the second one. So not only is Jesus on the way, is the way. The second is because we are dependent on him. The reason we persevere is because we are dependent. Look at what he says. I know that you have little but, I know that you have but little power and yet have kept my word and not denied my name. Isn't this a powerful statement? I know you have a little power. Now look, Jesus doesn't mean this in a, in, a, in a negative sense. I just want to make sure that you understand that. He's not saying, oh, you're just a weak little church. That's not what he's saying. He's talking about their dependence. I know that you're, you're a small church. I know all about you, that you have little power, but you're dependent. Your dependence is your strength. Do you know the greatest strength you have in your Christian life isn't your skill and it isn't your abilities. Your greatest strength is your dependence on Jesus Christ each and every single day. The reason we overcome is not because somehow we push our way through it. The reason we overcome is because we serve a living God who is able to sustain us, sustain us and keep us. God is not looking for just like the most powerful and the most skilled who have something to offer him. He's looking for those with a humble heart who depend on him. You see, we persevere because we're dependent on him. Look what he said about him. He says, they kept his, he kept my word. That, that word kept there has a couple of ideas. One is the idea to, to watch over and to preserve. The other is to give heed to, to pay attention, to observe. And I believe both ideas here, not only the idea of keeping true and watching over the truth of the word that we teach it consistently and that we teach it in truth, but also that we observe it. God forbid we be a people that teach the word and we protect it, but we don't observe it. We have to grow in Christ. We have to grow in who we are in Jesus Christ. We can't just be settled in here. I don't want you ever to be comfortable. Let me just tell you that right now. I don't want you to ever walk through the doors and just sit here and be comfortable in all, all of your you know, godliness and righteousness. I'm doing good. Man, there's so much more. I get so excited over this thing. Sometimes I read this word and I'm just amazed at the things that God says for us. We got to grow. We got to keep it and we got to observe it. 
And he also says about them that they did not deny his name. Did not deny his name. How powerful is that? They loved him so much they would not, de they would not deny his name. And kind of when you look at it, the three things here in this aspect of dependence, if you look at their path, it was kind of they depended on Jesus, they kept his word, and they loved his name. And if those things are incorporated into our lives and our walk, if we, if we depend on him and, and we hold true to his word and we love his name, how are we not going to persevere? In 2 Chronicles, this is something that came across in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 1. It's kind of out of the blue, but it, it really kind of speaks to this. When, when the rule of Rehoboam was established and he was strong, he grew more dependent on God and he grew stronger in faith. Is that what it says? See, this is what happens to us. When we get established in our strength, in our resources, in our ways, in our purposes, it creates within us a delusion that we don't need God. And we begin to abandon him. And God forbid, our strength will always delu create delusion in our lives. If we are going to persevere, we must depend on Jesus. We got to humble ourselves. We got to keep his word and love his name. So not only is Jesus the way as we understand how to persevere, not only is, is it that we become dependent on him, but the other thing is that we need to, need to have an eternal perspective. Look at verses 9 and 10. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word and about patient endurance, and I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. Why do we preserve? Why do we persevere? I'm sorry, not preserve, but persevere. Why do we persevere? Why do we not give up? Because one day, a great and glorious day, the adversaries of God will see that he was right. That those who oppose Jesus and the gospel will, will know the truth. One day, he's gonna come and that's gonna be settled. We might in our day right now, for those who would have faith in Jesus, we might face mocking, we might face persecution, we might be ridiculed, we might be despised, all of those things. But dear people of God, one day that will end. And there will be a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's going to happen. And we persevere because we understand that in that day, the mocking, the, dis the being despised, the ridicule, the persecution, in that day, it will be no more. Because Jesus will make himself known completely. For us, it means we don't give up. 
because we know that day's coming. We look to the end of the race and we set our eyes on Jesus. We, we understand that eternal perspective that, that in the midst of all of time, this is just a spot in time and, and the pressures of this life and the, and the difficulties of, these, of this life is, is only temporary compared to that eternal perspective. And the reason I persevere, the reason I don't give up is because I have an eternal perspective that I know one day, one day, every knee will bow. And then look what he says. This just, this just took me to the, my heart. The last, last part of verse nine, he says, I will make them come and bow down before your feet. But listen to this. And they will learn that I have loved you. That our God loves us. Just sit on that for a minute. They will learn that he loved us. Some of you need to hear that today. Some of you came in this morning with burdens that seem too heavy and you need to remember that our Jesus loves you. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. Because he loves us, we persevere and we have an eternal perspective. Look what it says in verse 10. He says, and they kept my word about patient endurance. In other words, that internal perspective keeps his word with patient endurance. It's because that we begin to understand the truth of his word, we begin to have an eternal perspective which creates in our lives a perseverance, a patience, an enduring. And dear people of God, we need that. When he talks about that hour of testing, I believe that's probably referring to the seven-year tribulation that's yet to come. Um, there's different thoughts, but that's kind of what I think. And if I had time, we'd have fun sitting down and chewing on that, but none of us would even make it to dinner tonight. So we're just gonna move on. And verse, not only is Jesus away, not only are we to be dependent on him, not only are we to have an eternal perspective, but fourthly in verse 11, my favorite words, verse 11 says, I am coming soon. Man, come on, people. I am coming soon. That's Jesus. That's him speaking. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. That picture there of I'm coming soon means suddenly or unexpectedly. It's really the emphasis is on the suddenness of the event rather than the timing of the event. Sometimes we read soon and we go, well, it's been 2,000 years. It isn't the picture of when it's going to happen. It's a picture of that it's going to happen suddenly. And dear people of God, it reminds us that we continue to persevere because he is coming. He is coming. And he, we will hold fast. In fact, that's what he says there. Hold fast to those things that you know. The eternal perspective, the understanding of the gospel. They have kept his word. They have, did not, den, have not denied their name. And he's encouraging them to continue on and to persevere. So then the last one here is in verse 12. The reason why we will persevere is because we belong to him. Are you here this morning? Are you here this morning and you know Jesus Christ, you received him into your life. And by faith, you're trusting in Christ and Christ alone for your salvation. Are you here? You belong to Christ. Now listen to this verse. In verse 12, it says, the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on, on him 
the name of my God, the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. Isn't that pretty awesome? Pretty awesome. Do you know Christ? Have you received him into your life? Are you just coming through and playing a game? That's not gonna get you into heaven. Might make you feel good and feel like you did your little God thing but it's not gonna get you at salvation. Have you received Christ in your life? Today's the day, now's the time. When he says he who conquers, and we've talked about this in the previous passages, but uh, the one who conquers is the one who overcomes is by faith, by faith. How do you persevere? By faith. What, we, I came to Christ and positionally placed in the family of God by faith. And now I walk, what, by sight? No, I walk by faith. I walk by faith, I endure, I look, and I, I keep waiting until he comes. And until he does, I'm going to persevere in the truth of his word. I'm going to stand in his word, and I'm not going to turn to the left. I'm not going to turn to the right. I'm going to continue on walking after him. How does that happen? By faith. By faith. To the one who conquers. How do you overcome? By faith. How's your faith doing, dear people? Be encouraged today. Be encouraged. Do not grow weary and do not stop persevering in the faith. Because verse 12 is telling us that we belong to him, but he's also a promise of, of a life that we could never imagine. That we already have in Christ and that one day we will realize in his presence. Look what he goes on and he says in verse, in verse 12, <clears throat> He says, and the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Well, as soon as you read that, I immediately remember, that, remember those earthquakes that happened all around in, in Philadelphia, the earthquakes are taken. So you see these pillars, everything else collapsed. But you know what remains standing? The pillars? What a visual for those people. It's a vivid picture that speaks of the permanence and the strength of our God. He says, I will make you. I will establish you. I will keep you. And he goes on, he says, I, I will make him a pillar in the temple. My God, never shall he go, shall he go out of it. That's a, the, the picture of a permanence, permanent residence with God. That there's this, this continual relationship with him. God is not about just collecting numbers. God is about relationship. God loves you. He cares about you. And he's wanting to be in a relationship with you. And then look what he does. You know, we talk about being in Christ and our identification with Christ, and we talk about understanding the realities of that. I often say to you, do you don't forget who you are. Don't forget who you are in Jesus. Don't forget. Look what he says right here about who you are. He says, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, our citizenship, who we belong to. The new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven in my own new name. Isn't that incredible? A name that, of us belonging to Christ. Hey, you came in this morning. Did, are you weary? Has your faith been shaken by all, everything going on in your life? Don't, don't give up. And look what he says in verse 13. I love these, this verse and every one of these letters. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What is the Spirit saying to you this morning? 
Have you begun to falter? Is the spirit going, hey, don't, don't give up. Jesus is coming soon. Don't give up. Continue to depend on him. Hold fast to his word. Jesus is the way. There's no other way. Don't give up. Is the spirit speaking to you this morning? We belong to him. We're his people. He's establishing us in permanence and in strength. He's coming soon and we'll be dependent on him until he does. Let us pray. Father God, I just pray this morning that, that your spirit would move freely among us. And Lord, there are so many things that are truths in, in our lives that we need to know and understand and that we need to be able to appropriate into our lives. And Father, how do we do that? But by your spirit enlightening and teaching and instructing us. Father, I pray today that your spirit would move among us in such a way that, Father, you would encourage those who need to be encouraged today, that you would strengthen those who need to be strengthened, that, Father, those who have found themselves leaning and wondering in doubt, that, Father, your word would establish in their minds the truth and that they would hold fast. They would not move, Father, to the left or the right, but that, Father, be established. And then, Father, if there's some this morning that your spirit needs to just confront. May Father, you be gracious of it. Lord, I pray your spirit would work. And if there's some here this morning, Father, who don't know Christ, may today be the day of salvation. May Father, they even come talk and pray with those that are on the front. Just the Father, to find out about the truth of your gospel, that we would rest in you once and for all. In Jesus' name, amen.